0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I grew up about 15 minutes northwest of Red Deer, Alberta in a, on an acreage in a subdivision full of acreages. And my best buddy growing up was a kid named Grant King. For years and years and years, we spent like almost every Day together and we never ran out of stuff to do and for a long period of time one of our go-to's was one-on-one football and I know you're thinking right now that's weird like how can you play one-on-one football let me explain okay so you mark off a field about half the size of a regular football field and you both start in your own goal line one of the guys kicks to the other guy okay if you catch the ball in the air you can run straight toward, towards the other guy's goal line until you get touched okay If you don't catch it, you gotta let it roll. And you kick back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. The way you score points is this. If you kick the ball like through the other other guy's end zone, you get three points. If you catch the ball and run across his goal line, you get seven points. If you kick the ball out of bounds, it's a 10-yard penalty. Now, I mention that because on one particular summer day, in the summer between grade eight and nine, Grant and I decided to leave our home field. Our home field was my parents' acreage, beautiful lawn, perfect for one-on-one football. But we decided to play a game of one-on-one football, like in the middle of this subdivision of acreages, there was this massive field. So we were playing, having a great time, and two guys came walking up. These guys were a year older than us, and they were both football players. They outweighed us by about 70 pounds each. And they said, hey, do you guys want to play some two-on-two football, us versus you? Did I mention they were 70 pounds bigger than us? Okay. So they were, and so we didn't even really feel like we could say no, so we were like, okay, let's play. Now, I wasn't a football player. I played hockey, Grant played basketball, and so we knew we were just going to get killed by these guys. They outweighed us by 70 pounds, did I say that? And uh, they were football players. But we started playing, and what we realized is these guys were way bigger than us, but we were faster. And we were better at throwing and better at catching. So we killed them. And i got to tell you, we were just so delighted, so incredibly delighted with ourselves. Okay, we're like, man, like all that one-on-one football and playing and catch in the backyard, it's really paying off. We are killing these guys, just so delighted, so incredibly delighted with ourselves. And about five minutes to six, we knew the game was winding down because we had told him at six o'clock we gotta go in for supper. Grant and I had the ball and we said, Remember on TV that one time we saw that play? It's called the flea flicker. Okay? So it's like this trick play. We gotta try it. We gotta try it. Okay? So so we did it. Grant snapped the ball off the ground, he handed the ball to me. I went running forward till they were just about got me, threw it back to Grant, and then ran and he threw it to me. I caught it, ran in for a touchdown. I was so delighted. Did I mention that we were delighted? So incredibly delighted with ourselves. So delighted. And so I crossed the goal line and I'm celebrating and thinking to myself, this is just a great day. A great, great, delightful day. And as I was turning back to run back to Grant to talk about how awesome we were that we did the flea flicker, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Did I tell you they outweighed us by about 70 pounds? Yeah, they did. Okay. So it was two-hand touch and the play was over but that seemed irrelevant to what was about to happen. So as I was trotting back to Grant to be delighted with him about how great we were doing, uh, this guy ran full speed, his shoulder, my chest, boom. I went flying backwards, bit partway through my tongue, so my mouth is full of blood, slammed the back of my head on the ground so I'm seeing stars and knocked the wind out of me. So when I regained consciousness, it hit me. Like we're so far ahead right now, we can't lose. However, we can still get hurt. Southside Church in person, Southside Church online. Hear me when I tell you, this is very important. We can't lose, but we can still get hurt. So after that happened, there was about four minutes left in the game, and we just didn't want to get hurt. We knew they couldn't catch us, so when they got the ball, they were running down the field basically saying, I dare you to two-hand touch me. We were like, no, you know what, you just go ahead. And when we got the ball, we just ran for the sideline as fast as we could. Now I mention all of that because we're in a series where we're looking at the New Testament book of 1 Timothy, which is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a guy that he's mentoring named Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in Ephesus, and Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter three, hey Timothy, tell the people in your church that if any of them wants to be a leader in the church, that'd be good, that'd be good. And I want to repeat to you something I said last week real quickly, you are a leader. Someone's watching you, somebody's following your lead, somebody's learning from your example, you have influence, you are a leader. But in this particular passage, Paul narrows the funnel down a little bit and he specifically says this, if anyone wants to provide oversight in the church, they must be blameless, one translation says. If anyone wants to provide oversight in the church, they must be blameless. So first of all, let me explain to you what he means when he says oversight in the church. Kind of important. Basically, it means one of two things. Number one, it means that you provide direction for the church, okay? So you're sitting around a table, and you're talking about a ministry of the church, or maybe even the whole church, and you're using your creative genius and your ingenuity to plot a course that's going to help this ministry or this church bring help, hope, and home to the city and to the world. Man, I hope everyone here and watching online aspires to that one day. Incredible. Using your creativity, using your ingenuity to bring help and hope and home. That's oversight. But also, this is oversight, providing inspiration. So getting up on a stage like this, telling your story. A hard-hitting, powerful story like one-on-one football story. No, a better story than that. Probably your story. Talking to Southside kids, talking to Southside youth, and saying, Hey, this is what Jesus did for me, and I know that He can do the same for you. There's nothing much more powerful than a story like that. Paul says, Hey, if you want to provide direction or inspiration, here's the thing just one little thing you need to be blameless. What? Get blameless. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like impossible. Blameless? Like perfect? No, that's not what it means. Here's what it means. At some point in your life, if you are following Jesus, and by the way, if you're brand new to Southside, brand new to the whole church thing, brand new to the Jesus thing, I can't think of a better Sunday for you to be here because you're going to really find out what makes us tick, what, what we should aspire. When you look at us, this is what you should see. Somewhere along the line, when you follow Jesus, you have to make a decision, and the decision goes something like this. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. So I'm gonna follow. And I'm gonna invite other people to follow me as I follow you. But the truth is, every once in a while in life, you have a bad day. You have a bad moment. You had a bad moment. You make a mistake. You stumble off course. Blameless in this context doesn't mean I never stumble. Blameless in this context, listen, just means I say, you know what, Jesus, forgive me. I stumbled, I'm back on track. That's beautiful. That's life. That's like so inspirational. That's what blameless means. Because of Jesus, that's what blameless means for you and me. Paul says this, though. Listen, Paul says this. but Sins of a moment are great, not sins of a mindset. A mindset says this. Somewhere along the line, I decided i trust Jesus, like, mostly. But there's this one area of my life where I'm going my own way. I, I, know, I-, I know the road is that way. I'm going to stand over here. The problem with being here is you put yourself in a position much like grade 8, Mike Manis, and Grant King. See, we're playing 2-1-2 football with those guys thinking, this is delightful. This is so delightful. Look at us, we're just having the time of our lives. And we forgot that we were in a battle. Here's the thing. We all get it, right? Online, in person, everybody here. We all get it, right? Like there's a battle going on in this world. You can feel it. It's self-evident. There's a battle against hope and despair, chaos and peace, love and hate, kindness and cruelty, light and darkness. It's there. And when you step up and say, "You know what? I'll provide direction in the church, I'll provide inspiration in the church." You are choosing a side. You are saying, "You know what? I'm going to stand for light and life and hope." and kindness, and that's awesome. It's delightful, in fact, but please understand that you have a spiritual enemy named the devil. He has also chosen a side. He's chosen despair, and hate, and cruelty, and darkness. And the problem is, he's been defeated because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the enemy, the devil, has been defeated. But listen to me, this is so important. You can't lose, you can't lose. But much like little grade eight Mike Mattis and grade eight Grant King, you can still get hurt. That's the plan, that's his plan. Hurt you and hurt other people around you by hurting you. And when you have a sin of a moment, when you stumble off and you're quick to to continue following Jesus, the Bible says you're strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You can't be hurt. You're right where you need to be. You're strong in the Lord and his mighty power. But when you bring yourself over to here, where you say, hey, Jesus, sounds good, except for this one area, you've put yourself outside of the strength and power of the Lord. And now the truth is, oh, you can't lose, but you can still be hurt. So the Apostle Paul in this passage goes through all of these mindsets that you and I must and must not have if we want to provide uh, direction for the church, and I hope you do. It's such a beautiful thing to use your creativity to bring help and hope and home or provide inspiration, and I hope you do. It's such a beautiful thing to share your story. Got to get the mindset right, though. So we talked about some of these last week. We'll continue this week. He says this, Don't be pushy, but gentle. Gentle. I used to have kind of a problem with the word gentle in the Bible. Like it doesn't really sound anything like I aspire to be. What do you wanna be? I just wanna be gentle, it sounds weak. But the more I looked into it, the more I think gentleness might just be the coolest word in the Bible. You know what gentleness means? Gentleness means strength under control. If you are weak, you can't even be gentle. Gentleness actually means that you have strength, but you choose to keep it under control. So in that sense, one of the greatest things that you could ever aspire to be is a gentlewoman or a gentleman. Strength under control. Paul says, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to provide direction or inspiration, you can't be pushy, but you need to be gentle. In other words, here's the thing. You want to bring people to a place where they're following Jesus, you can't shove them from behind. You can't yell at them. You can't threaten them. You can't argue with them. You can't blackmail them. You can't pick at them. You can't hold up signs to them. You can't do that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Be gentle instead. Huh? Gentle. Yeah, strength under control. Whose strength? God's strength working out in you. And all of a sudden, people around you look at you, and they say this, something, something, something about that guy, something about her, what is it? What is it? It's, they won't articulate this, but this is what they're seeing. They're just seeing love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. That's what they're seeing. Hope rises in you. The Bible says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope inside of you. That's it. Tell your story but be the kind of person that's not yelling and screaming at people from behind, so no one wants to hear anything you have to say. Be gentle, be gentle. Allow his power to play out in your life, and then then be prepared to give an answer for the hope inside of you. He goes on, he says this. Don't be thin-skinned or money-hungry. I got one story that I think illustrates both of these real well. So I'm 38 years old, living what I think is my best life, 38 years old, living my best life. I'm teaching history, coaching basketball, athletic director, academic vice principal, going really, really well. And somewhere along the line, I get offered the job of becoming youth pastor at Southside Church. Now, I blew it off at first, but over time, I came to realize, no, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to step into this. And so we did. But the reality of the fact is, 38 years old, became a youth pastor. Corinne and I had six kids, Six kids we lived in a little 1,900-square-foot house. We did not live an extravagant life, but we were incredibly blessed. But even though it wasn't extravagant, it's expensive to raise six kids, little wing nuts, right? <laughs> I was going to say I don't. Anyway, I was going to say I don't know how that happened, how we had six kids, but that's just rude. I don't need to say stuff like that over. OK, so, so here's the thing. <clears throat> oh, the, the church. Really generous church, they didn't have a budget to pay a youth pastor with six kids. So when I came on, I worked full-time plus, but I also had some side jobs to provide for our family. One of the side jobs I did was I coached basketball. I coached this elite club basketball team, like great players from all over the Fraser Valley, and we would play this season in, in the spring and then into the summer. And we would end every year down in Vegas for two weeks. Las Vegas, two weeks, two of the biggest basketball tournaments in the world. And the way that we would do it is that I would send one of my assistant coaches to fly with the whole team down to Vegas, but not the Manuses. we would drive. 23 hours down to Vegas. Okay, first all eight of us in the Astro Van, and later all eight of us in the Yukon XL. Awesome and we would pay for our own gas but listen to the deal the club made with me they said if you drive yourself down there we'll cover for your whole family accommodations and food when you get down there and in exchange i coached the team i organized their activities and drove them around vegas it was a huge blessing for our family because at a time in our life where we normally wouldn't have been able to afford a vacation we could take a summer vacation every year even at that time i was youth pastor but i spoke a lot on sundays And I would come back from Vegas with stories all the time. Like the time that I got our family completely lost in the Mojave Desert and a park ranger came and yelled at me, okay? Or or the time that Gabe and I, my son Gabe and I, we literally, we literally, we literally did this. We submerged a golf cart in a water hole on a golf course. That actually happened, okay? So I would speak on Sundays and I would tell some of those stories. And I remember one time after telling the stories, we had some people leave the church, And on their way out, this is what they said. They said, I don't want to go to a church where the youth pastor can afford to take his family to Vegas every summer. I don't want to go to a church. Stop, time out. Before I go any further, please don't ever say that. Please don't ever say, I go to a church. This is a building. This is not a church. A church is a people. You're the church. A church is a mission. You're a part of it. A church is a movement. Welcome to it. Amen. Thank you. So, <laughs> I want to go to church where the youth, youth pastor can afford to take his family to Vegas. You know what I figured out about myself in that moment? I was thin-skinned. I really was. It really, really hurt me. Because it's just kind of a weird feeling. Like you're up here and you're telling a story that you think is super funny about a submerged golf cart and you realize, you think everyone's laughing, but then all of a sudden you realize, oh, some people don't think it's funny. Some people are really mad. I was hurt. I was rattled. I really, really wanted to chase those people down and say, no, no, wait, like all we paid for was the gas and blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to explain myself and finally I knew that I had a thin skin because uh, I was mad. I was mad. I remember driving around town thinking to myself, So let me get this straight, you don't want to go to the kind of church where the youth pastor can afford to take his family on vacation. So what kind of church do you want to go to? You know what, I want to go to the kind of church where the pastors can't go on vacation, nice. (laughs) Here's the thing though, and this is so important, I was thin-skinned, because it'd be great for me to stand up here and tell you, oh yeah, my my herdedness my rattledness, my anger, it just stayed contained to just that one situation, and just that that one group of people. Of course it didn't. My hurt and my rattledness and my anger hurt other people also. Does that make sense? And I've been thinking a lot about it over these last two weeks because I've been thinking, okay, God, if we're not supposed to be thin-skinned, what are we supposed to be? And I don't think the answer, by the way, is thick-skinned. I don't think we're supposed to become ambivalent. I don't think spo- we're supposed to become uncaring. I don't think we're supposed to become the kind of people that ignore what's happening around us. So what are we supposed to be? And what I would suggest-, suggest is that in this case, the opposite of thin-skinned is aware, spiritually aware. Because here's the thing, please hear me. Think for just a second together with me because I'm not being sarcastic and I'm not try- t- trying to say anything bad about these people. Think just for a second. Do you believe that the kind of person who says, I don't want to go to that church anymore because the youth pastor can take his family on vacation, do you think they're happy? I don't think they are. Can I take it a step further? Like, I think they bought into something that I call the scarcity myth. The scarcity myth is this belief that there's only only a certain amount of good stuff to go around, and because of that, when something good happens for someone else, it frosts my flakes. It bugs me. I resent it. It threatens me. It makes me angry. angry. But the truth is, God isn't a scarcity God. God is an abundance God. God is the God of more than enough. So there's more than enough good stuff to go around. And when you realize that, guess what happens? All of a sudden, I can rejoice with those who rejoice. I can celebrate with those who celebrate. I can be happy for those who are happy. But here's the thing, here's what I know. Honestly, those people didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I got a new dream. My new dream is to be resentful and angry and tight-fisted. That's my dream. Of course not. So how did that happen? It happened because somewhere along in their life, the enemy used a situation or another person to convince them that there is not enough to go around. And they became resentful and they embraced the scarcity mentality. In other words, what I wanna to say to you is they became broken. And the problem with being in leadership in the church, you guys, and I really hope you all aspire to provide direction or provide inspiration, I do. The problem with leadership in the church is this is what the enemy is going to do. He's going to find a broken person, and he's going to bring them into your proximity, and he wants their brokenness to break you. So now all of a sudden, your hurt and your rattledness and your anger starts to play out in other people's lives. See, I'm not suggesting that we become thick-skinned. I'm suggesting that we become aware, that we actually understand where does this come from? where I look at somebody who says, I'm not going to that church anymore. That guy can take his family on vacation and look at that person and go, you're not my enemy. This wasn't your goal in life. You know what Jesus says? Pray for those who persecute you. You don't need to chase them down, but you need to pray for them and say, God, be with that person. Show yourself to them that you're the God of more than enough that there's plenty to go around. God, in fact, make them so open-handed in their life that they get to the point that they can rejoice with those who rejoice and celebrate with those who celebrate and be happy for those who are happy. But we're so weird about money in the church at times. We're so weird about money in the church. Paul says you, you, you wanna provide direction in the church, and I hope you do. You wanna provide inspiration in the church, and I hope you do. Can't be money-hungry. We're weird about money in the church. We really are. You know it's less than two months to Christmas? We, we had over like 800 kids at Trunk or Treat last night. Can we celebrate that for a second? How cool is that? It's amazing, amazing. And so as soon as Trunk or Treat is over, man, we start getting ready for Christmas. We got, we got Christmas decorations up in some of the rooms. I had a little kid come up to me today and say, it's really weird, Mike, I'm really annoyed. I'm like, what are you annoyed about? Well, there's Halloween decorations and Christmas decorations, you gotta pick. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Starting today, we pick Christmas, okay? But Christmas is awesome at Southside Church. Like, coming up on November 27th is what we call All Is Bright. It's a service day where we reach out to our cities whether it's here in Chilliwack or any of our online hubs. And we reach out to them and we remind ourselves and we remind them we are here for this city. We're not not pushing, we're not yelling, we're not arguing. We just wanna let you know we love you. We love you, how can we help, how can we help, how can we help? Man, November 27th this year is gonna be the best All is Bright that we've ever done. Whether you're online or in person, lots more information to come but it's gonna be incredible. And after all is bright, not too long after that comes the Wonder drive through The Wonder drive Thirteen 13,000 people went through the Wonder drive through last year. And it's gonna be way, way, way better this year. I can't wait. And then, Christmas services. It's the first time that we're ever gonna do Christmas services in this new facility. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited and one of the things that kind of typifies and always marks every Southside Christmas service is the last thing that we do before we go our separate ways is Brianna Murphy gets up on stage and sings what song? Oh Holy Night. I remember one year we had eight Christmas services when we were meeting at Sardis Secondary. I won't listen to Brianna sing Oh Holy Night until the 8th. I won't do it. Because, because I go in, I listen to O Holy Night in the 8th, and now my Christmas break starts. Now I have time for reflection. Now I have time to party with the family. But I'll tell you, that girl gets up here and sings O Holy Night, and it's like, are you kidding me right now? Man, if I could sing O Holy Night, like Brandon Murphy sings O Holy Night, I think it's all that I would ever do i just walk around singing Oh Holy Night, you'd be like, hey Mike, we're hanging out, do you, do you wanna watch a movie, get something to eat, play a game? I'd be like, no, here's what we need to do. You need to listen to me sing O Holy Night. <laughs> okay, like it's great. It's really, really good. Okay, so let's imagine that you're here and you invited 27 of your friends and you've all watched the Southside Christmas service together and you're in the lobby and who should be walking by but Brianna Murphy. And if you're a relatively sane human being, you would look at her and say, Brianna, that was awesome. That was so cool the way you used your gift. Man, oh man, you can sing. Of course you would. The same way that, I don't know, if you see somebody at the door welcoming people, and there's high-fiving and shaking hands, and they remember people's names, you look at them and go, you're amazing at welcoming people. That's so cool. You're so good with people. You see an amazing Southside youth leader or an amazing leader of Southside kids, you look, at, you look at them and say, you're so good at that. I celebrate that. But we're so weird about money at the church. Listen, I can walk up to Brianna Murphy and say, whoa, you sing so amazing. But when I walk up to somebody, and I've done this lots, and say, whoa, you're an amazing giver. Thanks for giving so much money. It feels kind of different, doesn't it? You feel that? You feel it right now? You feel how that's different? It's different, listen. It's different for me to say to Brianna, you can really sing, than it is for me to look at somebody and say, you can really give. And yet, the Bible says one of the spiritual gifts that people have is the gift of generosity. In other words, they're unreal at making money and unreal at giving it. But we're so weird about money. So a few weeks ago, this is what I decided to do. Everybody who gives to Southside Church for the first time, I text them. I text them. Again, Jesus says, by the way, that your treasure is where your heart is. So if your heart is for bringing more help, more hope, more home to our city and to our world, I just jump in, I'm like, dude, that's amazing. Dudette, that's incredible. Like, wow, that's so awesome. And I got a bunch of people text me back and go, is this like computer generated or is this really Mike? Cause we're weird. We're kind of weird about money. And I'm like, no, it's Mike. Had some great conversations talking about Bible reading and prayer and a bunch of people making fun of the Edmonton Oilers, okay? But I mean, whatever, whatever. But here's the thing. So one of the, did you say go Oilers? Did someone say go Oilers? That's just great. Thank you. Selah. Amen. We'll just get the ushers in for the flames person, just see if you could just, (laughs) I'll wait. (laughs) We're weird about money, though. You know, so so one of the, I'm texting people who have given to Southside Church for the first time, and, and I recognize this one name. I'm like, that dude's in grade seven. What? And it's weird, so I started to ask some questions. Oh, he started his own detailing company. So I reach out to him and I know his parents real well. And here's the thing about his parents, they have that gift of generosity. I've known his mom and dad since I was a youth pastor. And they've just always been incredibly generous. Like when they were in their early 20s, mid 20s, they were just incredibly generous. In fact, their parents among a bunch of others are one of the reasons that we're standing in this building today. And please make no mistake, this building isn't about, look at a cool building. Look at the bright lights, a blind mic every Sunday. Isn't that neato? (laughs) No, this building is currently making us more effective at bringing help, hope, and home to the city and to this world. But I remembered his parents because there was a time that things were really tight, and people came to them and said, man, you can't afford to give. You know what they said? They said, we can't afford not to. So he's just picking up where they left off. Am I telling you that that grade seven kid is going to be a millionaire before he hits 20? No, not really. I wouldn't bet against it, however. See, think about it. Let's just say for a minute that God owns everything, that it all belongs to him. I'm not saying you're going to get rich if you give. Of course not. It doesn't work that way. But doesn't it kind of make sense to you that, 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 that if God owns everything and he sees an open-handed, generous person, wouldn't it make sense that he would transfer resources over to them, and that through them help and hope and home would be brought to others. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. By the way, if you need your card detailed, message me. I can hook you up. <laughs> but we're a little bit weird about money. It's almost like we read this passage and it says, You can't be thin-skinned and you can't have money. Doesn't say that. I really think it's important we clarify that. It says, you can't be money hungry. What does that mean? Really simple. Here's what it means. Jesus said it this way. He said, you're probably going to either live in one of these two ways. You're going to live always believing that your life is to love God and love people or you're going to live in such a way that even if if you don't actually say it consciously, subconsciously, you're living because because you love money and you love stuff. You're you're either going to live to love God and love people or you're going to live to love money and love stuff. Oh, and, and here's the problem, by the way. If you live your life to love money and love stuff, you get to the end of your life and you realize, I spent my whole life, didn't even, well, couldn't even articulate it consciously, but I spent my whole life loving money and loving stuff and using God and using people to get money and get stuff. And now here I am at the end of, the, end of my life and I realize, hey, as it turns out, the money was never quite enough, was it? And all the impact that I could have made All the relationships that I could have built, I didn't quite get done. So Jesus says, go this way instead. Love God and love people. If you're living your life to love God and love people, what's money? It's a resource. It's so awesome. Money is great. You know what you can do with money and stuff? You can use it to love God and love people. That's what it is. That's what it is. Paul goes on. He says this. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? <clears throat> so last week we talked about the importance of somebody who wants to provide direction or inspiration to the church. They've got to be faithful to their spouse. That's a big deal. But now Paul's talking about parenting. And that's a tough one. That's a really tough one because... Even as I read that, I know that there's people watching online and in person today, and here's what you would say, you would say that for years and years now I have a 17-year-old daughter, and currently I made some mistakes along the way, and she wants nothing to do with me. Or you say, "I have a 27-year-old son, and we have no contact." And, and what I would say to you is what Paul is imploring you to do in this passage is this: you need to lead. You're like, yeah, Mike, were you listening, Mike? I told you that my daughter won't talk to me. My son wants nothing to do with me. Here's what I think you should do I think you should lead. I think you should lead. Leadership is influence. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, so lead. Lead, mom, lead, dad. It's not too late, lead. This afternoon, when you get out of here, tell him, I'm sorry, I love you, let's build something new. I'm sorry, I love you, let's build something new. This Christmas, get him a present. On the card, say, I'm sorry, I love you, let's build something new. Their birthday, get him a present. On the card, write, I'm sorry, I love you, let's build something new. And listen to me, I don't even know if they'll ever open a single present or read a single text. That's not the issue. Your issue is you control the controllables, you trust God in the details, you lead. Does that make sense? Finally, he says this You must not be a new believer lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. can't be a new follower of Jesus. It's like last week we talked about this guy named Martin Luther. And there's this interesting story about Martin Luther about how one night he got woke up in the middle of the night. He didn't really know what woke him up, but he sits up in bed and he looks and there standing at the end of his bed is the devil. And Martin Luther looks at the devil and he says... Oh, it's just you. And he rolls back over and he goes to sleep. Here's the problem. Paul's saying for a new believer, you're not maybe yet able to be aware. Remember we talked about being aware? When you're not able to recognize, oh, it's just you. And so you're a new believer and all of a sudden you're faced with this temptation. You're thinking to yourself, what's wrong with me? Or you're faced with this exhaustion and you're wondering, what's wrong with me? What's going on? Or you're faced with this depression, this discouragement, this anxiety. And the longer you become a follower of Jesus, you don't become thick-skinned, you become aware. And you're able to look at that and go, oh, it's just you. And I'm standing right here, so it's all good. I'm strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I'm not scared of you. I can't lose. And I'm right here, so you can't hurt me. That's what it is. I just, that sounds an awful lot like a beer bottle, but I'm gonna just give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Welcome to Southside, everybody. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me kind of chuckle, though, because I just spent two weeks. Kind of talking to you about, hey, like I love it. Like you really, really should want to provide direction in the church. Or you really, really should want to provide inspiration in the church. And then I go through this long litany of stuff that's just like, oh, it doesn't sound too easy, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy at all. Oh, no, it's not even kind of easy. Oh, Mike, that, that doesn't sound really comfortable. Comfortable. What? Comfortable. No, oh, no, no. It's not even kind of comfortable. Well, is it safe? Ah, is it safe? Hmm. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes of all time. One of my favorite books is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's part of the Narnia Chronicles written by C.S. Lewis. If you've never read them, you should. And in this Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe book, there's like a battle going on between good and evil. And good is represented by this lion named Aslan. He represents Jesus. And that's really important for you and me because what are we doing here? (laughs) What are we doing here? What is this church? What is this mission? What is this movement? Oh, it's really simple. This is God's idea. Established by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to change this world, one life, one story at a time. That's why we're here. Jesus called us here. So this Aslan represents Jesus. And the kids are having a conversation. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. <laughs> Who said anything about safe? Safe. course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. What a life. What a life, what a life, what a life. Is it easy? No. (laughs) No, it's not easy. Is it comfortable? No. Is it safe? No, not really. But it's really, really, really good. You say good, good, Mike, not great not fantastic just good yeah good so think about that word good right think about that word good you know God spoke the universe into existence he spoke the universe into existence all the galaxies and the solar systems and the planets and the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and the waterfalls and the forests and the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the flowers of the field and all the animals that move across the land and behold God looked at all of it and said it is good." That's the kind of good it is. Awe inspiring. Living your life knowing that the creator of the universe is with you and for you every single step of the way. Living a life of power. Living a life of purpose. Saying, you know what? I don't know exactly what tomorrow brings, but I know what forever brings. And I'll tell you one more thing. I'll tell you one more thing. In my time on this planet, I'm gonna leave this place better than I found it. Is it easy? No. Comfortable? Safe? No, but it's so, so good. Good. So I asked the band to play a song that I really think speaks powerfully of that, so why don't you stand and sing along with the band.
1: Stories that have proved your faithfulness. I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend. There is beauty in what I can't understand. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. I believe the wonder working. God, all the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen, you're too too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. I Can't resurrect a man with my own hands But just the mention of your name Can raise the dead hey! All the glory to the only one who can Jesus, it's you Jesus, it's you Sing this with me I believe you're the wonder-working God You're the wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles we will see, You're too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God you're the wonder working god all the miracles i've seen you're too good to not believe you're the wonder working god and you heal because you love all the miracles will seem you're too good to not believe too good to Oh, come on church, let's sing. We'll see see cancer disappear. We'll see broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me. We see families meet night, we see body calls return. Don't you tell me he can't do it? Don't you tell me he can't do it? We see troubled souls She floods the streets Don't you tell me He can't do it Don't you tell me He can't do it Cause He and filled the nations Like a world has never seen Don't you tell me He can't do it Cause I know All the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're the wonder, work. thank you, Lord. You came because you love all the miracles I've seen. You're too good, thank wonder, tonight. working God. You're the wonder, working God You're the wonder, working God All the miracles I've seen. In God you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe, too good to not believe Help me sing too good to not believe, after everything I've seen You're too good to not believe, tell them After everything I've seen You're too good to not believe
0: So why don't we just close with just a moment of reflection So if you just bow your heads and close your eyes It feels like I said a few times today that There's a spiritual battle going on in this world It's a battle of life versus death and hope versus despair, light versus darkness, kindness versus cruelty, love versus hate. And we have a spiritual enemy named the devil, he chose sides, he chose hate, he chose despair, he chose darkness. But maybe before we leave here today, I need to tell you one more thing. There, there's a savior and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the son of God, chose a side too. He chose your side. He stepped into human history and He chose your side. He chose love, and light, and hope, and life. So He died on a cross, and because He did that, our sins can be completely forgiven. We can have a brand new start. He rose again so that we could have strength and power and the promise of eternal life. So I guess today in this moment of reflection, whether you're watching online or in person, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to ask you, is today the day, is today the day that you say, Jesus, I accept that gift. I accept that power, that purpose, that forgiveness, that eternity, I accept that. You've done everything and I just accept that gift. If that's you today and you want to, for the first time, say yes to him with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, in person, online, do you want to just raise your hand right now, nice and high, so I can pray for you? Amazing, amazing. Amazing. Whether you're in person or online, with your hand up, you can put your hand down right now. I'm gonna pray out loud and you just pray silently along with me. Jesus, thank you that you're good. You're creative genius, awe-inspiring, faithful, today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus, I ask today that you would be my savior, that you died for me, so I give, give you my sin and my shame and my regret, and I walk away with a fresh start, thank you. And Jesus, today I ask that you would be my Lord, that just as you rose again, that I would rise too in power and purpose, following you one next step at a time all the way into eternity. And for God, for every single one of us who are part of this mission called Southside Church, I pray that we would be leaders who lead well, not perfect, not perfect, but people who just have that ability to stumble and get back up and say, hey, hey, I have an idea, why don't you follow me as I follow the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We love you, we're thankful, every one of us, and everybody said, amen. Let's celebrate. (laughs) Two things, do not miss next week. It's gonna be unbelievable, and if you are someone who online or in person raised your hand today, I just ask you to do one thing for me. Text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. we got some resources that we'd like to help you with. We just want to cheer you on. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.